There was no policy in place and there was no criteria. Basically, if the parent went and complained and wanted their child to be put in this advanced class and skip A grade, uh, they allowed it. In our last episode, we introduced you to Michelle, a mother of two high-ability students, Liam and Kate. Michelle's family experienced an all-too-common difficulty navigating the process of getting her children's needs met because of a lack of clarity around how and when the school system would offer accelerated learning opportunities. School administrators want to do the best they possibly can for their students, but particularly when it comes to serving high-ability students, school districts are often left to their own devices with little to no support, oversight, or guidance for implementation. So, it makes sense that when there is no policy in place, nor accompanying procedures or resources, administrators end up making accommodations on an individual basis, which can create the kind of situation Michelle described at the top of the show. If you listened to our previous episode, you will remember that acceleration is an instructional approach that moves a student through an educational program at a faster rate or at an age that is younger than typical, and helps match the level of complexity and rigor of a curriculum to the readiness, ability level, and motivation of the student. A few examples of this can be early entrance to kindergarten, subject area advancement, and grade skipping. This episode is about educational policy, why many families like Michelle's don't have access to acceleration in their schools, and how changes to educational policy can help school systems better identify and serve high-ability students. I'm Andrew Bauer. And I'm Eric Parsons. Welcome to Accelerated Thinking, a podcast that blends educational research, policy, and advocacy. Thank you for joining us for our second episode in this series examining the opportunities and challenges faced by high-ability learners. Please listen to the end of the episode to hear about how you can share your comments, questions, and suggestions with us to include in future episodes. We really need to fix the system. It shouldn't be based on what you know or who you know. It should be based on the student's academic ability. Let's look at this issue at the national level. Federal support has not been consistent nor institutionalized, and the financial investment has been minimal. Thus, the few legislative measures currently in place have had a relatively minor impact and may yet be rescinded. There are those who believe that individual states are better able to identify the unique needs of their populations and, moreover, assert that local school districts acting autonomously are more likely to serve local communities most effectively and therefore they don't need federal oversight or assistance. That view has held sway at the federal level and has generally been in effect over the past 20 years. In short, the states have been left almost entirely to their own devices. So, how has that worked out? In 2015, the results of an extensive study were released by the Jack Kent Cook Foundation in a report entitled Equal Talent, Unequal Opportunities, a report card on state support for academically talented low-income students. Quote, this report, funded by the Jack Kent Cook Foundation, was a state-by-state analysis to measure state policy support for advanced learning and highlight disparities in educational outcomes of advanced learners from low-income families. End quote. To accomplish this, they formed a team of experts who defined a list of nine key indicators of essential policies to support high-ability learners. Of those nine indicators... Not a single state received passing marks on more than six. And nationally, 
the average was three out of nine of those indicator policies had been implemented in any meaningful way. So, on the whole, the Jack Ken Cook report showed states were struggling to meet the needs of their academically gifted students all across the country. And it begs the question as to what is preventing them from doing better. And what is perhaps the most significant obstacle to gaining broad support for gifted education is the widespread misconception that gifted education is elitist or necessary. What the JKC report shows is that the reverse is true. So what you're actually doing from an equity perspective when you don't support high ability students is you're hurting low income and minority high ability students the most. They're the most dependent on schools providing those supports and challenging them appropriately. So you're widening, you're widening those gaps by not supporting the students. That again is policy expert Carolyn Welch, a senior advisor for the Untapped Potential Project and an attorney whose practice involves educational advocacy work at both the state and national level. What Carolyn Welch was saying is that when you remove gifted education services from the public sector, then those students who are most in need have even fewer opportunities to reach their potential. This leads to what Plucker, Burroughs, and Song's 2010 report, Mind the Other Gap, described as excellence gaps, which they explain as differences between subgroups of students performing at the highest levels of achievement. These excellence gaps are the central focus of the JKC report and the driving force behind the research. Associate Director at the Center for Talent Development at Northwestern University, Dr. Eric Calvert, explained further when we spoke with him again for this episode. One of the reasons why it's important for states to have strong policy and strong funding is because when um, the state doesn't play a role um, to equalize opportunities across school districts, then what tends to happen, and this is exactly what we've seen in Illinois, is that access to programs for advanced learners recedes to the handful, typically of the most affluent districts, and then those high-ability students that are low-income, which tend to be disproportionately concentrated in certain communities, lose all access to those programs. And so there's historically been this idea that, oh, well, in the interest of equity, we shouldn't have programs for gifted students or for advanced learners because those are elitist or that's tracking. But what we've seen from the Jack Kent Cook report is that it's really the opposite that's true. When states step back from supporting gifted students, then opportunities to learn at an advanced level becomes more restricted to the elite. Just those communities that can afford those programs and just those families that have the resources to pay for specialized programs get them. But when there is state funding and when there is strong state policy, then those excellence gaps reduce because more students across the state, regardless of their family backgrounds, regardless of where they live, have access to the level of challenge that they need. The central purpose of the JKC report was to shine a light on widening excellence gaps and increased inequality in our educational institutions, which has been exacerbated by the elimination of state support and policies, as Dr. Calvert just described. Liam and Kate live just outside of Chicago, which means that their district has been affected by the cuts in Illinois that Dr. Calvert discussed. One of the things that's been surprising as we've used the Jack Kent Cook report and the Untapped Potential Projects report that also touched on equity issues was that 
many stakeholders at the State Board of Education, in the legislature, and even in local communities were not aware of how far down the infrastructure for advanced learning in Illinois had fallen. The problem with access to gifted programming in Illinois hasn't always been this dramatic. Until very recently, legislative support for gifted education has been on the decline for a decade. Back in 2003, when there was funding for gifted, over 80% of elementary and middle school districts had gifted programs at that point. And as of 2016, only 27% still had gifted programs in Illinois. At one point, the vast majority of schools had at least some programming for gifted students. But after direct funding for gifted education ended about 10 years ago, and in the absence of anything in the accountability framework that looked at how advanced learners were doing, about two-thirds of those programs disappeared across the state. And because there was no data documenting that all those years, it was an invisible crisis that we're only now waking up to and only now being able to address. And this isn't just about money. As Dr. Calvert stated, when funding for gifted programming was cut, the policies that supported gifted education and the measures employed to track outcomes for high-ability learners were eliminated as well. So if gifted programming has been in decline for the past decade in Illinois, how bad is the report card? What score did the state get? We didn't fare very well. We got a D minus in that 2015 report. And we used that information to talk to policymakers in Illinois to say, hey, we're, we're behind other states in supporting high ability students in these, in these key ways. A D minus sounds like really bad news. But as Carolyn Welch indicated, there is a silver lining. Before this study was released, states had very little in the way of data to even know what was going on and just how bad things had gotten. And a crisis such as this doesn't get resolved if it remains invisible. How do states and districts turn it around? Well, Illinois actually provides a great example of an effective response to this data. In light of the 2015 JKC report, it became possible for advocates to work with policymakers to take real steps to correct these systemic problems. With the help of the IAGC, Center for Talent Development, the Untapped Potential Project, as well as the invaluable support of parents and community advocates, Illinois legislators were able to pass two essential pieces of legislation. Uh, in 2017, last year in May, both houses of the Illinois General Assembly passed the Accelerated Placement Act and the Report Card Act. And since having data to work with is essential to making informed decisions, let's start with the Report Card Act. We also know that when there's no information about a subgroup of students available, then those students can very easily become invisible in terms of thinking about the structure of schools, the structure of state policy, um, how schools are funded. And it's not malicious, but unless we're confronted with some of that data, then they often kind of go um, into stealth mode. The Report Card Act addresses this problem by ensuring that substantive efforts are made to collect and report on high-ability students. The Report Card Act stated that the State Board of Education has to report on the Illinois Report Card, which is the online compilation of all the data. It has to report um, on the availability of gifted programming at each school, the numbers 
and percentages of students that are receiving gifted services broken out by subgroup, and then the how many teachers have the gifted endorsement training. So as Carolyn Welch said, the act requires the State Board of Education to report on the availability of gifted programming at each school, the number and percentages of students receiving gifted education services, and the number of teachers who have the gifted endorsement training. While adding this information to schools' report cards might seem minor, its impact is essential for future progress. So the Report Card Act is an important piece of legislation because we think that it will enable much more effective long-term advocacy, and it will also provide really useful information as we kind of rebuild the infrastructure for um, advanced learning in Illinois to be able to start surfacing which practices are really effective across districts, being able to monitor progress um, over time, being able to identify where there are capacity gaps and opportunity gaps around the state, we think will be really helpful both for us as an advocacy organization and for policymakers who are trying to do the right thing for kids. New data collected as a result of the Report Card Act will be an essential resource to enact any form of systemic reform moving forward. The second policy is one that has been central to the theme of this series, acceleration. If you remember, Kate and Liam's dilemma was created due to a lack of an acceleration policy. And, as stated in the last episode, their district is not alone. In fact, A 2014 study conducted by the National Center of the Gifted and Talented surveyed 1,251 elementary and middle schools, and only two had a policy that allowed for grade skipping. And unlike other states with better grades at the time of the report, Illinois did not have a statewide acceleration policy. However, now Illinois is saying this isn't right. Every district needs to have an acceleration policy. So the Accelerated Placement Act requires all districts, so all 850-plus public school districts in Illinois, to establish policies allowing early entrance to kindergarten, early entrance to first grade, whole grade acceleration, and individual subject acceleration to eligible students, and then put some listed some requirements for what needs, needs to be a part of the, those policies. Starting in the 2018-2019 school year, Every district in Illinois is required to have an acceleration policy on early entrance to kindergarten and first grade, subject acceleration, and whole grade acceleration. And while it is mandated that schools have these policies, each district has flexibility to tailor the policy and criteria to meet the needs of individual communities. Most importantly, this means in the future that there will be more transparency and clarity in regard to what services are available to students like Liam and Kate. I think that this policy clearly gives parents leverage to go and talk to their school administrators about why it's important and why the school now has to think about high-ability students. A common concern about new policies such as these that may inhibit them from receiving widespread support is the fear of placing untenable requirements on schools which can't be met without undue fiscal sacrifices. Both of these policies, the Report Card Act and the Accelerated Placement Act, are quite cost-effective, making them exemplar policies. 
there's no reason that states can't reach for low-hanging fruit, even in the midst of the kind of difficult financial times Illinois is currently experiencing. These policies are a great start, but Illinois is only one state. In a recent update published by the Jack Kent Cook Foundation, while there has been improvements since 2015 in terms of student participation in gifted programming, 39 of 50 states still received a D or an F in regard to having policies to close excellence gaps. There is so much more room for improvement to address these gaps at the state level, as well as at the local and district level. And that's where parents and community members can make such a big difference. Even if all the states enact policies like Illinois' report card and acceleration acts, it will be up to the districts, teachers, students, and family members to ensure that the policies are consistently and appropriately implemented to serve all high-ability students. A rising tide raises all ships. You know, we're invested in this community, and we felt like we had been fairly good advocates for our own children. But what good is it having our own children get these opportunities and do so well if they're not surrounded by other kids who are getting the same opportunities and doing so well? Join us next episode when we discuss how individuals can shape the educational landscape and ensure accelerated learning opportunities are available for all students. Links to the articles and resources we've discussed during this podcast are posted in the description for this episode on SoundCloud. We would love to learn more about our listeners' experiences and hear your responses to the topics of this podcast, along with any questions that you may have. Your questions and contributions may be used in a future episode. You can comment on SoundCloud or email me directly at andrew.bauer at northwestern.edu. Thank you for listening. And we would also like to thank Michael Beach for the music to this podcast. I'm Eric Parsons. And I'm Andrew Bauer, and you've been listening to Accelerated Thinking, brought to you by the Center for Talent Development at Northwestern University.